Continuing in our series this morning, The Joy of Knowing. The Joy of Knowing from 1 John. And we are the final two verses. You thought this day would never come. It's not been that long. The final two verses of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. We'll read from 18. We'll dwell on all the way through 21. We'll bow for prayer and ask God's help to... to um, to understand. So, beginning our reading in verse 18. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's bow for prayer. Understand his word together. Gracious God, as you are here today with us, as you have promised that where two or three are gathered, we'll be in our midst. We need you. We will need the power of the Holy Spirit to understand. Father, I need your great grace and strength to present your word. And Father, I know, we know, that it is not my words that are important, but your word. It's eternally settled in heaven. Your word, as you have promised, will not return into void. You'll accomplish the task that you have for today. So would you, in this time, do that but by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts through your word that we may be changed, that we may be more like Jesus. For it's in his name I pray. Amen. Have you ever noticed how much we crave connections with other people? But also how much those connections are somewhat artificially contrived. We amass friends on Facebook and followers on Instagram. I really don't care about Snapchat. Uh, and it's not that I'm old. I don't have no, that much time. You're saying, yeah, it is. No. And we share every part of our lives on that medium with people, the good parts, even, mostly. We don't want the bad parts seen, do we? We share the good parts, but connection with other people isn't often as real. Sure, we try to, from time to time, to connect with actually live bodies and talk and eat and fellowship, but so much of our connections are, are, are so artificial. I, maybe you saw, the, saw this uh, crawling around the interwebs over the last week or so. He's at the, they're at the funeral, but he had over 2,000 Facebook friends. I expected a better turnout. No one's there, and sometimes we feel that way. We feel that we have a lot of digital connections, but really very few connections that are real, that are genuine, that are true. And we just want a real connection with someone, someone who is true, someone who is reliable. And we crave that, and we seek it. And more and more people come to the end of their time, the end of their days, in despair because 
they are lacking a real connection with people. And maybe it's possible you today, you're, you feel as though you are alone in the crowd. Maybe you're here and you do, you're a skeptic. You just came to see what was going on. You're not at all sure about Jesus. And so maybe that's why you feel alone. Maybe you're here as a follower of Christ, but you do feel alone. And sometimes we don't feel as though, I don't feel as though as my connection to God is as it should be. That it's real, that it's there. And if that is you today, John has, has a remedy and has help for us. See, the infinite wisdom of the Holy Spirit, as he led John to write this passage, as he led him to speak to a people in context of, of his day who are out away from the main body of believers. In fact, almost all believers have been scattered by this time that John is writing. As he's writing to a group of people, they have been uh, in turmoil because people have been saying things about Jesus that are not true, who have been leaving the, the body of believers, and so their connectivity, their, their joining together believers is, is somewhat fractured. They need to have that real connection with God himself, with Jesus. And so John writes and brings us great help. And he says in verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come. See, as John speaks of this connection, this real connection here, he starts again, yes, with the two facts that we learned last week, that the fact that Jesus has come and that we know how to live because we live as one who practices righteousness and we know that Jesus keeps us and we know if we are a follower of a Christ whose we are. And so he reminds us a third time of facts, of intellectual facts, facts known by intuition and John has provided those already in his letter so far. He's provided them in his gospel one of the four Gospels. He's provided these facts here. And so he says, we know as a fact the Son of God has come. We know this. We understand this. And as Jesus has come, he came, yes, prior to the day that John's writing. But John says that when Jesus came, he brought a new state, a new paradigm that continues now into the present. And there's no end in sight for the believer a new way that Jesus has come and he has changed everything. As we read in uh, Hebrews in our scripture reading this morning in Hebrews 4, Jesus changed everything. It was a new covenant. New way of understanding of who God is. And so Jesus has come And Jesus has come and he's given us understanding. The word understanding is kind of an interesting word there. It's a disposition of mind. He's given us a new disposition of mind so that we may know him who is true. And so now John changes up the word know. First, it's been factual states of of understanding, kind of evidence introduced, uh, facts introduced into evidence. Now he changes to, to go back to a word that we've seen already in the letter, this idea of knowing, not only facts, but through experience. So Jesus has come and has given us a new disposition, of change of mind, so that we may know him. We've experienced him who is true. 
who is true. And what John wants us to know, the facts that he's given to us, that Jesus is the true one. There is no other. He is the genuine article. He is real. He is real. Understand in the context of which John wrote and lived, there are many pagan gods, uh, many things that were worshipped. He says, this is the real one. You have, if you are a follower of God, and he's writing primarily to believers here, especially in these verses, you have, if you know Christ, you know the genuine article, the true God. There is no other God. There is no false God. Anything else, he is the true one. You know him. And he has changed your heart. He has changed your mind. This is the true one. See, Christian doctrine facts only go so far, but when you encounter Jesus, the true article, and receive him in faith, then it changes you. You have experienced him. And the intended purpose of the facts is to to know this real one. So you may know God. To know Jesus is the only way to the Father. Uh, He's already written in chapter 2, verse 23, this letter. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through, by me. No one. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. He has written this. So that he is a genuine article there. And so that we have that connection. And here it is, the, continuing in verse 20. And we are in him who is true. And this is where the real one, the true one, now becomes the union with this one through Christ. Now we are in him who is true. Do you understand that if you're a follower of Christ, if you know God, through Jesus you have connection, union with God the Father. Yes, you have position as a child of God, as an heir to the riches and glory of God the Father, but you have a joining with this great God. And it is through Jesus Christ himself, and we are in him. This sense of connection that everyone in the world seems to want and searches after, It is found in Jesus because he's the one who connects us to God the Father because he indeed is God the Father. And we are in him who is true, in Jesus, in God the Father, in his Son, Jesus Christ. And we look at this and we read it. And we are tempted to keep on going. Yes, we know that we have position. Yes, we understand that there's a connection But when we are in him who is true in his son, he says, he follows us up, this is the true God and eternal life. This pointing, I believe, back to Jesus Christ. So what is John saying in these words? That we have connection with God himself. Jesus is God himself. And so we have connection with Jesus because he is God with the Father. Do you understand that if you're in the Jewish economy, and he's writing to some who are Jews, some who are not. But all they had the scripture, 
was the Old Testament at this point. Paul was writing some, John was writing some, but maybe the letters haven't gotten there. So they're going back to the Old Testament. If you were a, a Gentile coming to Christ, the Jews around you who had already received Christ would bring you the Old Testament. And so he's making this connection that Jesus is God in the Old Testament. God was, I, I read Second um, Chronicles, just the opening uh, chapters this week, and you see God in his power, his glory filling the temple, and, and the priests back out. Okay, it's just too wonderful for them. This was your God. You had to go through the high priest. You had to go through someone else to sacrifice for you on behalf. And now Jesus, has, as Paul wrote, has broken, has written, broken down that middle wall partition. There's no longer something dividing us Gentiles from, from God. And Jesus is that one that we are in him. We're in the God, the Father. And Jesus is the true God, eternal life. So suddenly you have the real article, the real connection, that our connection is in Jesus and him alone to the Father. He's writing to people who are struggling with connecting. They're seeing their friends go and, and follow other false doctrines and, and say that, well, Jesus wasn't truly God or he wasn't truly a man. And he was all these things, and they're leaving. They're saying Jesus is not God. And so they're struggling with this, the, the fracturing of their connections to believers. He's saying Jesus is your true connection. You are in him if you're in God. And here it is. This one, this God, this is the true God, eternal life. In case we understand what happens here, we are changed when we understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That understanding, the word understanding, the disposition, the change of mind that comes when we have a true vision of who Jesus is. I'm not talking about something that's caused a bad pizza. I'm talking about we understand how God reveals himself through his word. We see Christ for who he is. It changes us, or it should change us if we come in faith to Christ. And we have a desire, as John has written all this way, a desire to practice right things to please God instead of a desire to practice unrighteousness. Okay? That, that's what happens. It changes. But it's not only a change in what we do, it's a change in how we think about God. It's a change in upon whom we rely. And when friends leave us and fracture, we have the eternal Father, we have the eternal Son. We have true connection in Jesus and God. But why is that so often flee us. We find ourselves grasping for other things. Maybe it is that we don't understand how we have been changed. I'm reminded of, of Thomas. In fact, John writes of this in his gospel. Thomas doubted. It wasn't in, in chapter 20, verse 28. Um, Thomas didn't see Christ appear um, with the other disciples. He says, I, you know, that's just too much for me. And so Christ appears. He said, Thomas, put your hand to my side. See, see the scars? See right here? And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. This is the one. And when we see Jesus for who he is as God, 
we are changed. The connection that we have with him is an unbreakable connection. So this is huge. This is the culmination of the whole letter of, of writing to the people to encourage them, to reassure them of who Jesus is and who they have and what they have in Christ. And so this is the, the point where, where John just kind of pours out his love to them and says, this is who your Savior is. He is the eternal God. Continue the faith in him. It's this reorients for the believer. For the believer, as, as I see this for me, as I am reminded of this in Scripture, it reorients me for my life. It causes me to think, for what am I living? What is real in my life? What is fake? It causes me to, to reorient my goals, my ambitions toward God. We are changed by understanding. And as I've t- entitled this series, we have the joy of knowing Jesus. And in the joy of knowing Jesus, we have reassurance. We have his grace. We have his fellowship. We have the fellowship with other believers who know him, have placed their faith in him. And we have fellowship with God himself. And the understanding of that changes everything in how we live. It should change our purpose in life if we truly are a follower of Christ. And so John wraps up and he goes home. No, he doesn't. Now, you may know something about letters in this time. How that often they, in fact, John doesn't do this as Paul does, but often they, they say who, who it is. We wait till the end. We keep people guessing. And we say sincerely or best regards or... See my lawyer, Stacy Peake. No, uh, we, we signed it off the end. Uh, well, they usually at front. Well, but Paul and, and John and other places, they kind of wind down. Well, Paul, uh, John here leaves us with a statement and leaves it hanging because he has a reason. Let's go to that 20, verse 21. Little children is not derogatory. Little children is not derogatory because this is how he says he loves them. Because he's speaking as a father. He really is. He has that fatherly love. This is a disciple um, John was a disciple that he said of himself that, that Jesus loved. Okay, he, I, I would say of, any, of all the disciples, he really grabbed, understood the heart of Jesus and Jesus' love. So he's saying little children in so much care. He says, guard yourselves from idols. John, I mean, is that all you're going to say? You're going to close the letter, close the scroll, send it on? What's John doing here? See what he's done. In verses 18, 19, 20, he's provided the real article, the genuine God. And he gives a warning about the false gods. He gives a warning. What's a false god? Well, you could say in this time, it's only those things, little idols there. But in John's usage, it's anything that puts itself up before the true God. Anything that I put up in front of my life, in front of me as a God that I'm now worshiping is more important than the true God. And he makes this, this word guard is an, an imperative in the Greek. That means it's a, it's a command. He, he signs off with a command. He didn't say, you know, have a nice day, have a nice life. 
He says, little children, guard yourself. Be on watch. Be vigilant. Guard yourselves from false gods. This was the eyewitness. This is the one who has seen everything that Jesus did while he walked on earth. And he gives his final command and he says, I want you to be on guard. Because I have shown you and you have seen the real thing. Don't go after the fake. Don't go after the fake. Be on guard. Be careful of that which is an imitation or a false god. See, in John's day, in fact, in our day, often the false gods, gods were, were things that, we, that people made with their own hands. His day, wood, brass, gold even. They would carve silver. They would carve those out. And I would say, oh, I made something. And I would sit it here on the mantle. They have mantles. I would sit it here in a prominent portion, a place in my house. And I would bow down to it. It would fall over. It would bow down to it. And I would give it things. I'd put a plate of food here. And I would say, please, this thing that I have made, would you send rain? Or please, would you let my crops, or please, would you let my sheep live? Or please, would you let my business prosper? Or please, would you let me, my relationships? And they would bow down to something they made with their own hands. And you think, that's kind of silly. And yet, not too many thousand years later, we bow down to things that we've made with our own hands. And maybe it's not a, an idol. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's our ambition. I sacrifice myself to the God of my ambition. I sacrifice myself to an idol that I have created that is my accomplishment, that is a family member, is a friend, a relationship. And most poisonous of all, I sacrifice to the God of myself. Because we all know that we are our favorite God. We're the ones that we indulge the most. What John is doing here, he's giving a contrast. True God versus a false God. Whatever we set up in our hearts and lives as God that rivals the one true God. He says, watch it. Man, be on guard. Don't go that way. You, you know the truth. If you're a follower of Christ, we know the truth. Don't. Don't. Watch out. Watch out. See, but we have a problem going after the fake over the real. We substitute fake connections with our own gods of our making. Fake things when all along we have the real in front of us. We sacrifice ourselves, our children, our things of life for that which will burn up. And we sacrifice it all, we bow down to that. Place ourselves. 
this morning. Two things. I hear your call to action. Number one, choose the real over the fake. Now that could be on this side of, of maybe you don't know Christ. And maybe you've heard about him and you've been a skeptic, but you see, as people have lived out, some of us do it imperfectly, but you've seen the goodness of Jesus. You say, I want to follow him, follow the one who's real, not the one who's fake. There's many fake gods clamoring for our attention, our affection. But even as believers, we place the, the, the fake intellectual knowledge of ourselves over what we know to be true and real from God's word. We place our desires, we place everything in front of God. Choose what is real. Secondly, though, to, to believers... Live like you're in Jesus. See, for us who know Christ, we have this connection in him to the Father that is built and grown by our time in God's word, understanding who he is, and by time in prayer. And we are to live out that life. We're to live in such a way that God is glorified And we need to live like we're in Jesus. That we're connected, that we're in the union with him. Instead of living like we're not, we're fractured from him because we go our own way. Why is there so much turmoil in our lives? Why is there so much stress and and pulling on us in our lives? Often for believers, the, the cause, the fact is the angst in our lives because we're not living like we're in Jesus. We're going our own way. We're making ourselves our own gods. Right? Practically, we'd say we're atheists because that's how you live. That's how I live, so why would anybody else believe anything different? I'm not saying it, it's a set of rules that I dictate you to you. In fact, let me scare you a bit. Okay, living like Jesus is 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 more raw and radical and sometimes scary than anybody's greatest rule book. Okay, it's easier to check off a box. I did this, I did that, I look like this. But when it starts digging into our heart and we're changing the pride, the selfishness, the, the desires of our heart it's not something that I can say externally that, hey, I did this. And God sees our heart. That's a whole lot more digging. And that hurts until we release. We learn to live like Jesus. Like we're in Jesus. This morning, I don't know where you are in life. I don't know the kind, the God does not give pastors little TV screens above people's heads. I wouldn't want to see anyway. I love being able to preach what God lays on my heart and from his word, as true and faithfully as I can, and there it is. 
But God knows your heart. I want to plead with you to yield to him. If you're struggling with sin, yield to him. Live like Jesus. I want to plead with you that if you are maybe feeling that that sense of alone, and it's not because of sin, it's just the circumstances of life, to know that Jesus, the connection in him, is what will bring you strength and grace and peace while all life bubbles and turmoils around you can give you that every day in him. This is the true God. In him, he is eternal life. So we have the joy of knowing Jesus. To him, to know right is life eternal. Let's bow. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, for your power and your might you've met with us this morning. And Lord, I pray that no one would respond because of me, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Lord, do that work. May we be ruthless with our sin today. May we root it out May we not hold back. Lord, may the grace and glorious forgiving work of Christ be in our hearts and lives. May we experience true forgiveness. And Lord, for those of us who are struggling with just the cares of life and our situation, Lord, by your grace, would you remind us of the union that we have in you? the peace that only comes from you, the peace that passes any understanding. We'll look back and say, I don't understand why I had peace except for Christ. And Father, if there is here those who do not know Jesus as their Savior, would they see him as beautiful and wonderful? Would they see a God who loved so much that he came, left his the wonders of heaven became a man and lived and, and suffered and died for them and took their sin upon himself on the cross and bled out for them in their sin but was raised again so that their salvation might be purchased. And would that one come to know Jesus as their Savior? Oh God, do a work in our hearts and lives and may we see you And we see the work that you have done in us, continue to do on us, and may we glorify you. Which in Christ I pray, amen.